Uh, hello again. Love you. Okay. That was our producer. <laughs> Quite hey, literally. Yeah. I've got to turn that uh, gain down <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive on and off reading podcast between siblings i'm your brother co-host thomas dempsey i'm your sister co-host elizabeth connor and this is the season three finale uh it's been a bit of time coming but uh we have a very good excuse we were busy yeah 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 life gets in the way nobody's paying us to do this uh but we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we are, if you can tell, in the same place for a change, which may be more of a common feature of these podcasts moving forward, but mm -hmm. we'll be getting more into that, I think, later on. Yeah. But uh, as we tend to talk about the state of our lives at the start of the episodes, the things we've been up to recently, uh, go on as we have been, I should think. Uh, Elizabeth, what have you not been reading? Oh, gosh. Um, our last episode, was it before Halloween? It was, if not, I think it was in November. Okay. Because I think the plan would have been to record something while I was visiting for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. But we just never got around to it. Yeah. Thanksgiving in and of itself was quite busy. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, since the last episode, uh, work-related, wrapped up the first semester of work. That and, good. yeah, Honor Choir had their field trip and their concert. Yes. And all of that went well. And then we had the general busyness with, like, Christmas parties and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and honestly, it's just, like, to be honest, it's pretty much just been life busyness. Uh, I have actually been reading more. That's good. On my phone, and I'm very excited to talk about that in a few minutes. All right. Um, I've also been watching some more Grey's Anatomy. Yes. I have... Usually I wait till my husband goes to bed and then I'll watch. I, I say to myself, oh, I'm just going to watch one or two episodes. And then it turns into like anywhere between three to six episodes. Um, especially now that I'm on Christmas break. It's leaning more towards like the it's three o'clock in the morning and I don't know how I got here. Yeah. Type rabbit hole. Oh, um, yeah. I got to say, I like Grey's. Okay. Grey's Anatomy is such a good show because... It, it just encapsulates, like, this is how people really are. Like, nobody's all, you know, like, nobody's all good. Nobody's all bad. People are just people. And sometimes they do crummy things. And sometimes they do really immature things. And that's just the way it is. And it's, I mean, I know it's Grey's. And I know that some of the storylines are just super ridiculous. But, like, if you look at the actual characters, like, they're so <laughs> brilliantly written, in my opinion. And you're laughing, so. Aww. Shucks. <laughs> uh, but uh, I uh, haven't been watching... Oh, I mean, I've been watching stuff. Uh, 
I guess my Grey's Anatomy is uh, Super Sentai, mm-hmm. which uh, has very uh, believable and nuanced characters. <laughs> and yeah, sure, some of the plot lines are a little out there. <laughs> I'm a jerk. Anyway. <laughs> Yes, I've been uh, I've been reading, not finishing as much stuff as Elizabeth, but uh, um, been keeping up with books. I feel like sort of mid towards the end of November, I hit that wall wherein if a big part of your incentive for reading is starting new stuff, yeah, then uh, then like getting on towards the end of the year, you're not as motivated because you can't start new books with the intent of finishing them by year's end Mm -hmm. so i don't know i just uh uh, have been mainly just sticking to books i'd already begun i've got several that i intend to finish by year's end but of course we'll not be factoring into this episode's like detailing of word count if i if we want to check in next week just uh, next episode with any um updates last minute updates then we can do that but uh I've just been sort of giving myself the space to read at my own pace and um, been enjoying it. Cool. Yeah. And work's been good. Uh, I've still got the Sherwin-Williams job and uh, been driving around a fair bit. It's actually doing wonders for my podcast listening. So, uh... Um, we did watch a new Christmas... Well, it's not really new, but it's new to us. Christmas movie. Um violent night oh you saw that we saw that and i'm not gonna like yeah it's violent it's it's kind of gross but like as an actual like christmas Mm. movie like in terms of not like the religious meaning of christmas but like the spirit of christmas like it's a good movie all right um we obviously i wouldn't recommend it if you have young children yeah because there's lots of bad language and there's like i said there's violence but like we showed it to our 14 year old and it was fine so So, was this in theaters or no we watched it's like uh it's either on netflix or prime i can't i can't remember sure but uh anyway we watched it twice wow like it was that good because we watched it once with just me and brian and then we watched we showed it we watched it again to show andrew okay um and I think when we showed Andrew, we also did a little, uh, like, kind of marathon, because I think we watched Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. No, that's not what we marathon. We marathoned Christmas Vacation with Jaws. Oh. <laughs> but you've he's seen jo- Jaws. We didn't watch that with Andrew, oh. though. Sorry, it was a, this was a separate movie night. But, like, we watched Jaws, and then after Jaws, like, in the recommended films, like, Christmas Vacation was one of the recommended films, so we watched Christmas Vacation. Okay. Um, that's fun. It was fun. I always forget how good Jaws is oh, until yeah. I watch it. And I feel and I've watched this movie like We not watched it hundred, just last year. Yeah. I, I mean I wouldn't say hundreds of times, but I've watched this movie at least once a year, if not twice a year, for probably a decade the better part or over a decade, probably That's fifteen cool. years. And every time I watch it there's something something new to me. Yeah. That's cool. I love that movie. I yeah. think it's my favorite movie. Speaking of movies, um, I've been seeing this narrative on social media about the loss of physical media oh, yeah. that I think is very interesting. What are your thoughts as someone who collects physical media? Well, I know a big part of the uh, discourse has been the decline of retail locations carrying uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4Ks, etc. 
the biggest of those being um, the big box retailer Best Buy. I think we'll be doing away with their physical media sales mm-hmm. at some point in the near future. Or at least they have announced plans to. So um, there are places I know you can go to get them. But I think Best Buy has been reliably the like shop for like high-end physical media. Mm-hmm. Uh, excluding places like Barnes & Noble that traffic in like boutique brands like Criterion and yeah. Arrow and what have you. Uh, but I guess so much of that is just moving to the internet now. People buying still books and Criterion editions and what have you through the mail. Mm-hmm. That uh, what I'm, I'm sad to see them go. I don't think they necessarily have to. I think that there is a viable business model where you could sell physical media in person. So I, I guess I'm talking more about like the actual presence of physical media. Oh, like people like I've seen TikToks and and reels and stuff about people being like. The worst, or like the worst decision I ever made was I sold off my DVD collection. Uh, like yeah. I sold every DVD or every Blu-ray I had. And now I wish I had never done right. that. Well, because it's the back, it's the uh, snapback of the promise of streaming that this stuff was just going to be online for you to watch whenever you wanted forever. And now companies are like cutting costs and reducing their libraries, and a lot of these films have been like out of print or the prevalence of streaming has uh sort of watered down mm-hmm. uh, any interest in getting these things put out on physical media so while i do like i've referenced boutique labels i do think a lot of smaller companies are doing what they can to keep stuff in circulation and available mm-hmm. it's definitely like a far cry from the heyday of like peak dvd sales the rise of blu-ray and what have you so if you are a person who relies on streaming and you want to start mindfully and with intention building a physical media library what system would you recommend like should i buy a blu-ray player should i like what do i need to have in my home well uh I mean, Blu-ray player is definitely, it's basically the DVD player of the present day. Mm -hmm. Because uh, while DVDs are still technically getting made, I think Blu-rays are sort of the new default. And we're seeing like the sort of rapid ascendance of uh, uh, ultra high def Mm Blu-rays coming around. Especially with the increasing prevalence of OLED Uh, televisions on the high end so the 4k televisions so like for instance i just bought my parents a 4k television for christmas and uh, with it i got a pretty high-end panasonic blue uh ultra high def blu-ray player okay and and a a big part of that is also like uh, audio output Mm -hmm. so like players aren't just for like the specialties of players isn't just like the visual quality of whatever format you're using there's also the audio component which Mm -hmm. might not be as apparent if you're just using like a standard sound bar and amp Mm -hmm. setup but if you've got anything resembling like surround sound like the little speakers you can put around your viewing area then it really sort of goes a long way towards sort of recreating that theatrical experience Mm -hmm. Uh, speaking of theatrical I actually, uh, just a sidebar, the um, physical media discussion for a second. I've been to the movie theaters a fair bit the last several weeks. Okay. Uh, Back in, uh, 
the weekend before my birthday, I want to say it was, uh, I went with my friend to see Godzilla Minus One in mm-hmm. theaters, which I think is been sort of like well both of these have sort of been like surprise box office successes mm-hmm. uh in the time that they came out uh it, it godzilla minus one for anyone who doesn't know is technically the first godzilla period piece because all previous godzillas had either been contemporaneous with their period mm-hmm. or they were like futuristic like in the year 2000 kind yeah. of sci-fi films Whereas this one is a remake of the 1954 Godzilla set in the immediate aftermath of World War II. So uh, it's you're watching like uh, like Japanese veterans returning home with PTSD. This one guy was like on an island when Godzilla attacked the uh, battalion he was stationed at. Mm-hmm. And now he's got like... A vendetta against Godzilla that's sort of masking his survivor's guilt. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it's a really, in, like, sin- like ser- sincere drama amidst all the scenes of, like, there's actually a, a scene wherein a mind trawler mm-hmm. is, like, being chased by Godzilla that has big Jaws energy. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's a really great film, and even better, which is saying something i would say is uh the movie i saw the week after that uh the boy and the heron mm-hmm. by hayao miyazaki mm-hmm. it's uh who's to say whether or not it will be his last film uh he's 82 and he has been working on this film for like the last like seven or eight years but supposedly a large portion of the production only got completed within the last several years as he finally began to relent and let other animators take on mm-hmm. greater creative duties. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, and this is a great way to segue back into physical media, I'm a great fan of Hayao Miyazaki and G-Kids, the uh, American distributor for Miyazaki and Ghibli films, have a great series of Blu-ray steelbooks that you can uh, pick up if you're interested in like building up a physical media library for those. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, HBO Max, or formerly HBO Max, uh, had the exclusive streaming rights to Ghibli Films in America, but um, depending on how you see their uh, the whole streaming business model going, uh, getting some of like some Blu-rays now might be a good investment. Although, who's to say? Like with the with a bou- a perceivable bounce back of physical media as an industry, you might be seeing like a swelling of re-releases mm-hmm. and what have you. So, um, anyway, your question was, uh, what kind of player should people get? Yeah. It really depends on what kind of display you have. So, if you have a 4K, you're going to want Ultra HD uh, Blu-ray player. Um, If you've got just like a 1080p television, like Mm -hmm. some of the higher-end flat screens from the last uh, decade or so, Mm -hmm. then you'll be fine with just a standard uh, Blu-ray player. Okay. And, uh, like, and, and again, like, DVDs are nothing to sneeze at, especially if you've got, uh, something like a traditional, um, cathode ray, uh, CRT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that kind of display really benefits with, uh, lower resolution media. Yeah, so, uh, oh, I did want to mention, 
uh, I have that flat screen that I was using in my room mm -hmm. that now that I'm using mom and dad's old TV, mm -hmm. y'all, you've got, you and Brian have free, I think I even told you about this yesterday. Y'all have like free access to that if you want it. Yeah. Um, and we will, we will keep that in mind, but right now we've got a TV that we're trying to figure out what to do with. Okay. That's cool. All right. Was there, uh, anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. Not that I can think of at this moment. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's time for this book podcast to start talking about books. Uh, and we normally focus on the stuff we've been reading. So, uh, well, I check to make sure that Feisty isn't eating something behind me. Uh, Elizabeth, why don't you uh, tell us about some of the stuff you've been reading lately? Okay. So I've gotten into, I've gotten back into some romance, um, or some oh. like serial romance. Uh, so, and to be like, now I'm sitting here and because some of them have been kind of spread out. So I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't really remember what this is about. So I'll talk about the ones that I can remember. Um, Oh, I do remember this. I just don't remember their names. So I guess since our last episode, two of the books that I've read are uh, Cruel Paradise and Cruel Promise, which is a duology by Nicole Fox. The series is called the Oryolov Bratva. So it's a Russian mafia romance. And I don't remember the characters' names, but long story short, uh... Mafia boss, I can't remember what they're called in, in the Russian, in the Bratva. But Mafia boss, like, also runs legitimate businesses and falls in love with his secretary. And they begin, and she is, like, the legal, she's the legal guardian of her three nieces and nephews. Mm hmm And their biological father also is, like, in the picture, but he's kind of worthless, like uh, he's just not a good person. Yeah. Her their mother has passed away, so like she feels like she has to like be the mother figure. And um anyway, it's it's their love story in addition to the dangers of being in the Russian mafia and dealing with this pathetic excuse of like a father figure and then like the this other, like this new guy is becoming like the new father figure and like it's a whole anyway it's good it was good I enjoyed it um so that was that and then after that I started another series it was called I only I only read the first one um it's called Off Limits and it is I think the first book in the Playboys of New York series by J.A. Lowe Mm-hmm. And this one is about a hotel mogul who meets this woman who has just left her... She she was a runaway bride, but for good reason. She caught her fiancé sleeping with her best friend. Okay. So she runs off to go spend the heart... Like, what was supposed to be her honeymoon with her best friends. And she ends up meeting one of the owners of the hotel chain. And, like, they share a kiss. And then they don't see each other. Because she overhears him saying some not very nice things about her. And then they meet back up, like, months later because she is getting her life back together. And she's getting a new job. And, anyway, she ends up being hired by their hotel company. Um, it's kind of like social media relations. Yeah. And 
the biggest issue with this particular book is like at what point are we like at what point are we professionals and at what point is this a personal relationship and it's like walking the line of professionalism but also being attracted to this person who works for you and there's like a power dynamic and everything and then the book takes a really weird turn at the end that it didn't need to take yeah but i mean like it was fine like it was a good book and there's a series so i think it i think it's gonna follow like the like her the girl's friend group mm-hmm. i think it's gonna follow the the her friend group in terms of like i haven't read any other books so mm-hmm and then the last set of books, um, I'm currently reading the fourth one, I think. It's called The Disciples Series, and this one is co-written by Izzy Sweet and Sean Moriarty. Yeah. I think I think they're husband and wife. They may be partners. I'm not real sure, but they, okay. they're in a relationship. And the books that I've read in the series are Keeping Lily, Stealing Amy, and I forget what the third one is, but there's a third one that I've read. Okay. And... Um, these are more of like a American mafia, like just straight up organized crime. Yeah. They're not affiliated with any ethnic group. Um, and it's basic. The first book is about the head of the organized crime unit. Like he falls in love with somebody and the way and the theme through this book is basically the men see a woman that they want and then they just take her Uh-oh. and make the and like anyway and then they have a relationship because of forced proximity because this these men i mean it's very caveman-esque yeah um so yeah so that's what i've been reading okay and i was just checking my uh goodreads list and i have actually finished a few books since we last recorded Mm -hmm. it hasn't just been me sort of like uh tending to different like ongoing reads yeah uh, so I believe the last book we talked about was Seven Empty Houses by Samantha Schwebling. Mm-hmm. So after that, it looks like I finished four books uh, that I can talk about. One, the first of these was uh, Sorcery by Terry Pratchett. It is the fourth book in his Discworld series that uh, he's famous for, or okay. was famous for. And um, it is one of a uh, series of novels in the broader Discworlds franchise that deals with a character named Rincewind who is a a wizard uh, in the name of more than deed because he's seemingly like like 99% of the time incapable of wielding magic and then invariably like the various books that he's in will contrive scenarios wherein he has the capacity to cast magic or do what all. Okay. So uh it's 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 an interesting prospect because and i do think that the book deals with the theme of identity uh pretty interesting uh where the character of rincewind is concerned but i do feel like it's telling that the rincewind novels are largely concentrated within the early period of terry pratchett's writing discworld novels Mm -hmm. so um like i talked about guards guards having read that earlier this year that was only the eighth um discworld novel like overall that terry pratchett wrote but even like up like by that point the difference between the quality of not not just the writing i I generally think that terry pratchett's uh, ability to write has been pretty consistent but like the other elements of like good novelistic storytelling like structure and pacing Mm mm-hmm I think are way more apparent in 
even his eighth book compared to uh, like the first four. Yeah. So I had a rough time getting through sorcery actually, despite it being fairly breezy and short. Okay. Like it's only like about uh, four hundred pages long, uh, ebook edition, which is saying something. So it's probably closer to like two to three hundred pages of a mass market paperback. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so I'm uh, happy to have read it. I look forward to reading uh, future um, Discworld books mm-hmm. uh, or further Discworld books. Uh, Terry Pratchett passed away several years ago, so of course there aren't any more being written. But uh, our cat is doing something crazy over there. <laughs> and uh, But I would not put um, any of the Rincewind novels that I've read so far, let alone Sorcery, as among my... Uh, prospective favorites for this mm-hmm. franchise but uh, the book i finished after that was a biography an autobiography by a guy named cliff Bl- cliff blazinski who if you don't know him he is the lead designer of uh, a series of video games that came out he was a the creator and level designer for a game on uh i believe the pc uh called Jazz Jackrabbit. Okay. And uh, then in the night, and then like further into the 90s, he joined with a company called Epic and became a uh, level designer for a series of games called Unreal, which are like, uh, were a big popularizer of the first-person shooter, especially the competitive first-person shooter genre. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Unreal would then go on to sort of be one of the dominant video game engines in uh the world like a bunch of other companies will use the unreal engine uh to manufacture their own games in a way that like saves on like coding costs and what have you so uh he was a big part of all that and then uh sort of like his peak fame was in the 2000s when uh epic were uh, conscripted by Microsoft to design a game series for the Xbox 360, and uh, Cliff Blazinski was the lead designer and creative uh, mind behind the Gears of War franchise. Okay. So he uh, was lead designer on the first three games in that franchise, and then shortly thereafter, he left Epic to form his own, to attempt to form his own company, and I I uh, should tell you how that went uh, based on the fact that like only the last two chapters of the book deal with his uh, solo uh, ventures. Mm. So the company, his solo career wasn't that successful. Uh, the last big couple of points are more of his um, uh, CV have more to do with like things he had a hand in rather than things he was directly responsible for. Like mm-hmm. he was a big investor for the Oculus Rift which was uh, sort of what would become the meta or the or the quest mm-hmm. headset that would get sold to Facebook and so he like the um, earliest develop like serious developments in uh, 3d virtual reality gaming mm-hmm. he's a producer on Broadway he um, helped finance uh, did you ever hear about Hades town yes yeah, I have heard he of was that. a pr- he was an exec he was a producer on Hades town so, uh, and then, um, oh, he was an early consultant on the video game Fortnite. 
Ah. But he left Epic before it really became like the world dominating thing that it is. We've seen a lot of that in my house. Oh yeah. So uh, so he he's had a varied and interesting career, and he also gets into like some very personal details about his childhood that I think he like take like displays some bravery and uh, going over. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's like that his that his strength as a writer of nonfiction is especially great. Uh, I, I I mean, it's certainly readable, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, uh, it seems like the sort of thing that you might bring on a ghostwriter or somebody to help like, uh, iron out certain details. Yeah. But, uh, all the same, um, I, I feel like I've been getting more into books about video games than the last year. And this was uh, a valuable, uh, resource for exploring that interest. And, uh, after that... I read a book called In the Act by Rachel Ingalls, which is technically a, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a novella or a novelette. It is like not even 60 pages, maybe just over 60 pages. I'm not sure which, but uh, it's a very, it's part of the New Direction Storybook Edition, which as of today, I now own every volume of. Uh, Yeah. And I can show them to you here, actually. The cats were got everything messed up. I blame them. Mm-hmm. I blame them. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so these are like designed like your uh, classic hardcover, thin uh, children's picture books. Yeah, I was about to say, these look like the like a grown-up version of the gold bind. Yeah. Yeah. The gold binding uh, series. So, um, but uh, these are all like short story collections or like... Uh, little novelettes. Very cool. And a lot of them are by authors that I really love. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to have all these, and I don't know if they'll be publishing anymore. The last two were uh, came out just this past summer, so mm. if they're going to do any more, um, it might be a little bit. Yeah. <sighs> but uh, I enjoy having them, and uh, the book that I, and Rachel Ingalls in the act is, unfortunately, I think one of my less favorite it's not bad to Mm -hmm. be clear it is not bad or poorly written i found it immensely readable it's just that beyond the events of the story i did not find much about its language or its themes to be especially compelling Mm -hmm. and uh it's sort of part of a, a genre of heightened domesticity that can be very interesting uh with the right like writer Mm mm-hmm but that, um, and, and who knows, maybe if it had been longer and certain, like, uh, if in like the atmosphere of the setting had been able to be fleshed out a bit more, mm-hmm. uh, I think you really feel like the, like the brevity of it sort of constraining a lot of its potential. Yeah. Or, or the sense of things pot- being able to happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. It and any of the other books, I think if you're looking for an interesting and quick read, definitely get a recommendation. That is a blanket recommendation for the uh, New Direction Storybook series. All right. Yep. I looked it up because I was putting in my my books into Goodreads. Uh, The last book in that Disciple series that I completed was called Buying Beth. Trigger warning, it does involve human sex trafficking. Yeah. All right. 
Now, did you read the book I had assigned? You did not? No, I did not. Were you able to start it? Nope. Okay. Well, then I'll go ahead and talk about the last book I read uh, for this discussion. It was um, Suzanne Abuela's uh, Against the Loveless World. Uh, It was a book I specifically wanted to uh, check out because of what's been going on uh, in the Middle East and Palestine Mm -hmm. with Israel uh, enacting a campaign on the people of Gaza and now the West Bank. That's been frankly pretty horrifying to watch unfold and uh i i I like to think that this podcast is a uh source of comfort for anyone who might listen to it so i don't want to get too heavy but obviously uh we uh uh, we are with the people of palestine who are suffering and we hope that uh, this situation is brought to an end yes um peacefully and um and for the best and permanently so, uh, yeah, so Against the Loveless World, Susan Abuala is a novelist, and she is not, I believe, her, like, personal history in Palestine is not of, like, a, like, long-term native. Mm-hmm. I believe her parents were immigrants mm-hmm. from Jordan, and that she was born in America and then traveled some around the Middle East, mm-hmm. but that uh, much of her writing is informed from uh, interviews mm-hmm. and extensive interviews that are cited in the afterword of this book. She uh, interviews political prisoners, uh, family and relatives, like uh, genealogical histories, and just really like puts in the legwork. And it all comes through in like the immediacy of the period detail that she's exploring. Uh, the book Against This Loveless World is basically set throughout the life of its central character, Nahar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I be- hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who is born in Kuwait uh, to her parents who are um, who have been like exiled from uh, Palestine, and then um, the book sort of chronicles the major arcs of her life from childhood to womanhood, and uh, there is a period in her time when her family is living in Kuwait where uh, I believe it is in vague synchronicity with the invasion of uh, Saddam Hussein, Mm -hmm. where uh, she begins uh, a career as a sex worker Mm -hmm. to help support her family and to put her younger brother through college. Mm -hmm. And then with the fall of Saddam's regime, uh, her family then has to um, flee Kuwait to Jordan, Mm -hmm. where... uh, the family sort of finds a new kind of stability that is then complica- complicated. The one of the major like spines to the book is Nahar's relationship to first her husband uh, Muhammad and then Muhammad's brother Bilal. Mm-hmm. She she marries Muhammad, who is a, a closeted gay man, and um, but she doesn't realize this until years later, uh, and then. Muhammad's brother, Bilal, uh, I believe, gets captured by uh, Israeli forces. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a prisoner exchange where Muhammad gives himself over because he was like uh, being held responsible for certain uh, actions that took place. This is Mm -hmm. all like gradually revealed out throughout the uh, course of the book. Mm -hmm. So um, eventually, after being in Jordan... um, 
Nahir, who has been separated from Muhammad but has not been officially divorced, mm-hmm. decides to travel to uh, Palestine to get a divorce from him. And uh, it is on arriving there that she meets and comes to form a romance with Balal. Okay. And then it is of her like starting a life with Balal's family and sort of coming to learn of her Palestinian heritage. And uh, to give you a sense of like the tone of the book, the overall framing device is of Nahir trapped in an Israeli prison. Okay. And uh, so like certain phases of her life will be bookended like with flash forwards to Mm -hmm. her like going over her life in like solitary confinement and the like the routines of her day and mm-hmm. the and the um, structures that she builds internally to help her endure. Mm-hmm. So it's a very intense and very uh, impassioned book mm-hmm. that uh, I yeah I really cannot recommend enough. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm sitting here like man I should have read this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's very well written. The characters are all really rich. Uh, Nahir's grandmother is a lot of fun uh-huh. if you've ever had like like a difficult relationship with an uh and like extended family member. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's very beautiful and very I will say the very ending, the very like last thing that happens is the sort of thing you can be like, look, this whole damn book's been so heavy. <laughs> I'm fine with this win i'm fine with it ending on a win even if like if if it had ended just a little bit earlier the point i think would have carried perhaps a bit more elegantly Mm -hmm. but i but but all that having been said i really loved it Uh, i think it was probably the one of the stronger ways i could have ended out my reading year and uh, i'm glad to have uh, finished it I will also say that it was a book I'm glad I gave myself the time to finish mm-hmm. because there were times when I really just had to take a step away from it. Yeah. To let it sort of digest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was great. Good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm um, glad we got to talk about all that. Uh, now for a, a fun little change of pace. Um, it's been book shopping season. Yeah. Uh, Barnes and Noble has started up their hardcover edition sale, which I believe today was the last yeah, day. Yeah, today of. was the last day. Has not been the last day. For, uh, it has not been the first day for me. Uh, I have been hitting this thing up hard over the last several days. And uh, last last year, I gave like a rundown of all the books I had purchased in my book, yeah. book haul. Now, fun fact, that actually proved crucial to this book haul because... As I was looking around the various stores around the upstate, I was like, huh, do I have this book? Mm -hmm. I feel like I remember buying it, but I don't have it marked on my Goodreads app. For the life of me, I can't remember seeing it on my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. But then that's saying nothing. All my books, all my shelves are like double stacked at this point. So things can get like tucked away. Uh, So while I was in the store, I queued up last year's episode of the podcast <laughs> to listen to myself go over all the books I bought so that I could be like, yeah, okay, I do have those books. I don't need to buy them again. Look at that. Yay. Look at that. Uh, so I've Looking got, out for future you. Yep. So to help next year's self out, I've got 
this new haul of books that I can talk about. Um, that fortunately, the cats have not disturbed too badly. Ooh. I've got these in roughly chronological order of purchase. Okay. Yeah, I know you care, and I care that you care. So, uh, <laughs> so the first book I have to talk about is, oh, this is The Besieged City by Clarice Lispector. This is a book I read earlier this year. I believe I talked about it. I would have had to on this podcast. Yeah. It is very weird, like yeah. grammatically speaking and in terms of viewpoint. And it is very abstract, but I love it. And uh, as I've said, I, I believe I've said before, Clarice Lispector may be my favorite author right now. Mm -hmm. At least, I mean, granted, I'm only reading her through translation, but, you know, say what you will. I think the translators do a good job with her. Yeah. And uh, this is the last book that I needed to own every book she ha has had published oh. in English. I mean, wow. well, not she has had. She's passed away yeah. like, in the 70s, but, you know. So, um, I think currently New Directions has all of her novels mm -hmm. as well as uh, all of her short stories and uh, most of her journalistic writing mm -hmm. in print. So, that's uh, across 12 volumes. And this was the last one that I needed to own all of those. Cool. Yeah. So, and it's a beautiful hardcover that's a, edition. I was about yeah. to say, you pulled it out of the bag. That's a beautiful book. Yeah. And the fun thing is that that is the only hardcover edition of that book I have seen in stores, or any yeah. edition, let alone hardback. So when I saw it appear in uh, one of our local Barnes & Nobles, like four months ago, I was like, okay, it's a very weird book. No one else is going to buy it. I'm waiting for the Barnes & Noble sale. <laughs> and lo and behold, I get there, and it's still there. So happy to finally have it. Another book that I've been sitting on more just because the urge to buy it wasn't as immediate, but I figured it was something I'd like to own is uh, Lupin the Third Thickest Thieves. This is a collection of manga from like the 1960s, 1970s. Uh, it is the basis for a long running uh, anime series, Lupin the Third, about a master thief and his uh, accomplices who go around committing crimes and being weird freaks. Elizabeth is flipping through it now. I can't speak to any of the content, but uh, uh, after having read stuff like Common um, Rider and what all this past year, I really have an appreciation for classic manga. Mm -hmm. And this is a series that I've uh, been interested in checking out more. So I've got the first volume of this uh, anthology collection, and this is the second. So okay. uh, yeah, so I'm happy to check that out. And I've got. Leslie Effing Jones by Leslie Jones. <laughs> uh, I invested a bit in biographies and nonfiction this year, and this was a recommendation from John Green, I believe it was, that uh, I thought I'd finally get around to checking out. Uh, Leslie Jones is obviously a brilliant uh, comedian. She's 55? Yeah, I guess so. But uh, And I'm looking forward to reading about her in her own words. After that, speaking of nonfiction, I have this book, The Experiment Machine, How Our Minds Predict and Shape Reality. Oh, that looks like it'd be good. Yeah, don't, it's uh, a book I heard about on TikTok. Okay. And uh, from a the kind of dude who's like Jordan Peterson, but not crazy. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I was looking forward to checking this one out. 
And uh, after that, I have a nonfiction book called Who Are You? Nintendo's Game Boy Advance Platform. Oh. And this is from a publisher called, uh, it says, maybe MIT Press? Uh, they also published another book I acquired recently called The Beauty of Games. But this is part of a different uh, book series. But even so, like, cover. yeah, it's, uh, the Game Boy Advance is a console that I have a, a long history with. And so I was interested in checking it out. And, uh, glad to have picked that up. Uh, ooh, and speaking of stuff that is right up my alley, I got Cameraman, Buster Keaton, The Dawn of oh. Cinema, and The Invention of the 20th Century. Cool. That is, uh, a sort of... It's a loose biography of Buster Keaton that more uses his life as a lens to view like developing trends in politics and That's technology cool. and yeah. social society throughout like from like the late 1800s through to like the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So uh That's happy cool. to have that. Um then I got oh, another volume from the uh New Direction Storybook edition. This is The Road to the City by Natalia Ginsburg. Okay. Uh, Ginsburg is a very famous post-war Italian author who uh, I've read some of her stuff before and really liked it. And I look forward to tucking into this volume. Uh, and I got uh, Humanly Possible, 700 Years of Humanist Free Thinking, Inquiry, and Hope by Sarah Bakewell. Uh, Bakewell is sort of a an onboarding writer to, like, whose big sort of claim to fame is, like, making like classical philosophy accessible okay like her first book was about the the, the essayist montaigne and mm -hmm. then uh, at the existentialist cafe she wrote about a lot of the uh, french philosophers of the 1950s and 60s okay so it's so her writing has been uh, a presence uh for me the last several years and uh, i'm really interested in checking out her most recent book uh Back to manga, I've got Orochi by Kazuo Umez. This is volume four. I believe it is the final volume of all this series that was published. I picked up volume one last year, I want to say. And it is a horror manga about a uh, seemingly young girl named Orochi who goes around basically entrapping horrible people into cruelly ironic fates. And uh, if you've... The, the closest comparison I can conceive of, even though it's not a comic I have much experience with, is, like, if you ever read, like, the classic DC horror comics, then there's very much, like, a bleak and grimness to a lot of, like, the ookiness mm -hmm. that uh, is in those. I can't recommend that. I'm not sure I would recommend them to you, Elizabeth. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, especially after, like, the first volume is just, like, super bleak. <laughs> now I want to read it. <laughs> okay. Or not. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> My next book is Doppelganger, A Trip into the Mirror World by Naomi Klein. This was a TikTok, I think, recommendation that I uh, came across. It is sort of a, uh, a, a look at the way that online identities interact with and warp against mm -hmm. our, our real life sort of selves and uh the next and the the book i got after that was one i was had some difficulty finding but i finally did 
It is uh, by the German filmmaker Werner Herzog. It is a memoir. It is titled Every Man for Himself and God Against All. <laughs> it is, this, the guy has a very sardonic worldview. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. But, uh, I mean, oh, you probably know him as the villain from the season one of The Mandalorian. Oh. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> Still haven't seen that. Oh, well. I, I, I'd be surprised if you didn't hear, like, the TikTok clip. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Yeah, I've heard the TikTok that is, clip. That is, that is uh, him. Uh, so that's bag one. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, bag two. <laughs> uh, I picked this one up. And this I was surprised to find this one caught my eye. I looked it up on Goodreads. Had already marked it down as would like to read. So that's always yeah. copacetic. It is The Story of Art Without Men by Katie Hissel. Okay. I think it is like an alternative uh, art history text. Cool. And it's a like really nice hardcover edition yeah. too. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's shrink-wrapped. Yeah. So you know it's good. Or else it's got nudity in it. Yeah, or else it's got pictures. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it does have more than 300 works of art. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's probably got some naked pictures yeah. in here. So uh, then I got this. It is a book I already own in paperback, but uh, it is a really great book uh, that I would recommend highly. It is Ancillary Justice, the 10th Anniversary Edition. That is a uh, the first volume in a tr first a trilogy and now just sort of a general ongoing like narrative world that uh, Anne Leckie is writing. Were you reading this book at one of the concerts we went to? I in... am sure I was. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I've read the first two books in that trilogy, and I have all the rest of the books she's written in that same setting, including uh, her most recent book, Translation State, also purchased in hardback. Okay. She has a very nice, like, unified yeah. aesthetic for a lot of these books. Uh, the cover art. So uh, and then I've got this one. It is a collection of four comics from a miniseries called Catwoman Lonely City. It is an alternate... Uh, DC uh, Batman history where like uh, a bunch of the like good guys basically Batman, Robin, etc. Nightwing have all been killed mm -hmm. and uh, Catwoman was sent to jail for 10 years and this is like her getting out and trying to get revenge and do something. Again, shrink wrapped. Yeah, get, well that's more just for any comics including the next one I bought volume 4 of the Girl from the Other Side by Nagabe. That is the final volume in the hardback edition of this ser series. And uh, that is one I think that you actually really would like. Okay. Yeah. And then in the same vein, I've got uh, a, a spin-off book for another manga series. This is the uh, comedy series Way of the House Husband, which is about a reformed Yakuza enforcer who becomes the stay-at-home housekeeper for a businesswoman okay and uh it is called the gangster's guide to housekeeping cool and it is a book with uh cooking and housekeeping tips oh look at the kitty cat like through the uh lens of the comic book series cool um all right so then i have this book that we got today called the skull it is a picture book by john classen mm-hmm and uh I look, i've read a little bit of it i've it's a picture book. You can tear through it, but yeah. I love the artwork. Yeah, I love John Klassen's, um artwork. He's written several children's books. 
Do you have? Didn't you have one more in there? Uh, yeah, but I'll get to that. Oh, okay. So, uh, I've got a few more back here. Uh, I could not fit in a bag. <laughs> so the first is uh, a book by Quentin Tarantino called Cinema Speculation. It is a book of essays by the film director that I've sort of been reticent about getting around to because he always seems like a bit much. Yeah. Yeah, but I figured uh, finally after like seeing it in like three different stores, I was like, well, I'm getting a deal on it. So yeah. I, I expect I'll enjoy it, but I Quentin Tarantino is one of that guy where it's like, oh, you know what I need to hear? Quentin Tarantino talk about movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, then I've got these two. Um, they are the next two books in Penguin, Penguin's Deluxe Editions for uh, classic Marvel comics. Mm -hmm. It is their Omnibus of the Avengers. Oh, cool. And X-Men. Those are beautiful. Yeah, they are really nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Elizabeth is holding like half of a stack here, so... <laughs> One I'll, stack's on the bed. I'm holding the other one. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then finally, there's this book. It is the collector's edition of a comic collection by another author of horror manga, uh, Junji Ito. This, however, is not technically a horror manga. It is a slice-of-life diary comic called Cat Diary, Yon <laughs> and Mu, and it is about... Junji Ito's home life, living with his wife's two pet cats. That and, uh, that that cover is giving me Bonicula vibes. Yeah, it, it, it has like some real Bonicula energy. <laughs> and uh, and if that seems like the kind of thing you would enjoy, Elizabeth, well, I actually bought the book several years ago in paperback, and I would like you to have it. Aw, thanks. I think you'd enjoy it. Oh, that one looks like potato in yeah. the face. Oh, yeah. A little potato. So, that's it. I'll take those off your hand. Okay. Oh, goodness. Oh, okay. Okay. And I was not able to participate in the hardcover sale last year because the day... Like, I was so excited, and I will never forget this feeling, Um, but it was the day of the sale and me and Brian were going to Barnes and Noble and I was ready to drop some coin and the sale was only two days last year and it was the 50% off hardcovers. Yeah. And we go to our Barnes and Noble and like there had been a water problem. And as you know, pretty much all Barnes and Nobles have a cafe. Well, because there was a water problem, the Barnes and Nobles near my apartment was closed. Like oh. it wasn't just that the cafe was closed. The whole store was closed so we were coming up to Greenville the next day and I mean, we, anyway, we got up here, we were not able to go to Barnes and Noble. So I completely, I never will forget walking up to the door. So excited to like go in and buy some books. That's and then my, it was, it was, I will mm. never forget that feeling. And that's, I know some people might think that's so silly, but it like made my stomach drop. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was able to participate some this year. I did not go crazy like Thomas did. I only got four. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the books I purchased, uh, some of them were just because they looked good. And some of them were because uh, I heard about them on TikTok. So like I bought, um, I got Atomic Habits, which has been, you know, crazy on tiktok like everybody's like you need to read this book so i i bought atomic habit or atomic habits um 
I bought a book by Questlove. All my books are in the living room. I yeah. didn't bring them back here. Uh, what? So Questlove wrote like a like a music history esque book, um, starting uh, talking about like African Americans in music. It's called Music is History, um, and it focuses like from the 1970s to the present. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward. To, and it's looking at American music through the lens of being an African-American. So I'm really, really excited about that book. The other book I got, I can't remember what the actual title is, but it's about music in World War II, and it follows four composers. It follows Richard Strauss, Shostakovich, Schoenberg, and... Um, the British guy. Britain. Britain. That's who it is. Oh, his name's Britain? His name's Britain. Benjamin Britain. Is he British? He is British. Okay. Um, and fun fact, because Benjamin Britain was gay. I mean, he's he's deceased now. But Benjamin Britain was a gay man back when it was still illegal to be gay. Yeah. In England. And, I mean, but it was kind of like a well-known secret that, like, Benjamin Britain's gay. He has a partner. Like, he has a live-in partner. All this stuff. And it was still against the law for gay men to like be in England. And when his partner died, the queen called his house to offer her condolences. Huh. Even though it was still like against yeah. the law on the books. Right. I remember that story very specifically from like some of my music history classes. Um, and again, I can't remember what that book is. And then the last book I read is the newest book by James McBride. Which is the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. Yes. Um, And that's that's just, and that looked good. It was labeled uh, Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. And it was labeled Barnes and Nobles, like, Book of the Year. So I picked it up and I'm excited to read it. Yeah. And I'd uh, like to check that book out, too, uh, when you're finished with it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's going to bother me. No, you were going to, you were going to get the latest Colson Whitehead novel. I was. Crook, crook, crook Manifesto. Yeah. But I had already bought it, and I'm more than willing to let you uh, borrow it. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, speaking of speaking of books, um. Oh, sorry. Quick, quick aside. The book that I bought about music in World War Two is called Times Echo: The Second World War, The Holocaust, and the Music of Res- of Remembrance by Jeremy Eichler. Okay. Okay. So that was going to bother me if I didn't know what it was You're called. You're good. Um, so yeah. So anyway, back to what I was saying. Speaking of books that you let me borrow and the sale, last year you purchased the bio- the autobiography by Jeanette McClurdy. Yeah. Um, I'm glad my mother's dead. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I never read it and I, it's just been at my apartment. So we are in town to for Christmas and I brought it with me to give back to Thomas and my phone was about to die, so I started reading it last night, and now I'm like, oh, I should have read this a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, he's gonna—he's not going to wait a year to get it back, but he's got to wait a little bit longer before That's he cool. gets it back. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Obviously, buying books is... Books are some of the better things you can buy, if you must. It's not drugs. Right. It's not drugs. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh... Yeah, thank you for humoring us, and thank you for being with us throughout 2023. Uh, we look forward to uh, doing this again next year, although it will be under somewhat different circumstances, but we might talk more about that 
after we talk about word totals. Yes. So I have my word totals um, all ready to go. Yep. I've got mine too. Okay. So. So uh, we did, we not only did word totals, but we also did my own words against me. Mm -hmm. So my word totals for the year um, are 5,763,742. And if you compare that to my word total back during the first season in 2021, uh, I read 57.3%. Okay. And I read 4,457,543 books, which if you compare to my reading total from 2021, my uh, all-time high up to this point, is 100.5%. Woohoo! Yeah, so I will. I do intend to finish a few more books by year's end, which is in uh, uh, like three days as of this recording. But for the time being, that is the last you'll be hearing of my word total for this year. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Yep. And as far as hearing about word totals in 2024 is concerned, that is something we have been talking about. And I think it's time to return to basics. Yes, so after some conversation and just with the acknowledgement that life is busy, we have decided to get back to the basics with this podcast. So going into season four, we will scale back the challenges and we will only be focusing on the actual word totals that we read. So we will not be doing the comparison of my own words against me. We will not be doing a bingo card um, are we still going to be doing challenges per episode? I, I was willing to let that drop too. Okay. So we will not be doing the challenges per episode that we have been doing. We are. It's going to look a lot more like season one, just sans challenges. Right. We might announce a book that we want to talk about, but uh, that, that'll be more just to give you a sense of structure moving forward. And... Uh, in addition to that, we will also be moving to a once-a-month release schedule. Yeah. Uh, so you'll be getting this episode, like, January 1st, and then each subsequent episode arriving roughly around the first of the month. Mm-hmm. And uh, this will hopefully give us more to talk about at each recording. It should also make scheduling recordings a bit easier so that, uh, especially if we can get time in person to do them, because it's yeah. honestly just... A much better environment for like the chemistry of the conversation and also helps mm-hmm. a lot with editing to have everything be on the same like frequency and whatnot yeah yeah so that is going to be season four of your words against mine a competitive reading podcast between siblings yep with your hosts thomas dempsey and elizabeth connor we thank you for joining with us if you are someone who tunes in week to week or if you're one of the many wonderful people who stumble across us and then just download every episode at the (laughs) drop of a hat which causes our metrics to go crazy (laughs) we appreciate you checking us out we hope you'll stick around we'll try and make it fun for you and and happy new year that too (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.